Welcome to WrestleStar Podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Is that a thing? <laughs> it's a new thing. It's a new thing. I didn't get that memo. Um, welcome to WrestleStar Podcast. This is episode... <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> 83? Yeah. 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, episode 6. Episode 6. And this, I believe, is the premiere episode that people have been pointing to <laughs> they've been pointing to this for months uh, there sam uh, but also so, so introductions i'm sam benjamin and i live by one motto survival <laughs> is that a motto there's <laughs> one word a motto it's a motto survival <laughs> survival and uh, who are you? I am Robin uh, Owen, and I uh, don't believe that dog has a name that we can ascertain, <laughs> which will make a lot more sense later in this podcast, much, much later in this podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so welcome to uh, episode six, and today we'll be talking about Starcade 988, uh, which tagline, the tagline is... Uh, true Grit. <laughs> true Grit. How, how many T's? Two T's. Hit those T's. Grit. True grit. How many times did they say it on the show? Not many. Barely any, right? Not many. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, Starcade 88, uh, we are coming to you live from Norfolk, Virginia. <laughs> yeah, from the Scope Coliseum, yeah. which is sort of quite strange. We're out of the North Carolina, we're out of the Carolinas. Um, and also, uh, we're actually not in November this year. We're not in Thanksgiving. We're actually in December. Uh, because obviously uh, the, the WWF the previous year had uh, scheduled Survivor Series to be on Thanksgiving night the same as Starcade, and it affected their sort of buy rates. So they were forced to kind of move the event to Christmas. So we've got a Christmas kind of uh, theme in the background. Which Jim Cornette will tell you uh, was a, arguably a massive mistake because there was a huge Thanksgiving tradition. Yeah, oh, which yeah. Which WWF have hijacked. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can picture the Survivor Series 1997, or the 7th Annual Survivor Series. The the front cover is literally Lex Luger and his team eating a turkey. Uh, you know, the All-Americans eating a turkey on Thanksgiving, and they really hammer it home. But um, it's one of those things where we come to a, a pivotal moment, actually, in the history of WCW, uh, because Jim Crockett Promotions, who've kind of ran this Starcade for all the years we've covered so far, um, had actually been sold sold to Ted Turner um, and had kind of formed a WCW although this is technically under the NWA banner uh, yeah. but it's a change, of, a change of the guard a changing of times an uncertain future lies ahead for NWA Yeah, and I think it's that time when they realise hang on a minute WWF are going one way mm. we are going to have to step up now yeah and be an alternative a real alternative damn it <laughs> um, so we how does it start it starts with um, oh first of all just give some shout oh, yeah, outs some shout let's outs. give some shout outs I want to give a shout out to uh, our number one fan Guy Fryer the Friatron uh, how you doing um, Rocky Romero Rocky yeah our number one wrestling fan who is, as in he's a wrestler and he's our number one fan yeah big fan of Rocky Romero and uh, Georgia J Smith Davy Boy Smith the British Bulldogs daughter who uh, we connected, I connected with on Instagram quite recently. <laughs> Excellent, yeah. Uh, the uh, as well as 
you know, Harry Smith, a.k.a. David Boy Smith Jr., who just made his debut on, well, his second match, but in ITV's World of Sport, being yeah. Will Ospreay. Yeah, excellent. Um, any shout-outs that I have? Uh, I got a shout-out to Axe and Smash, who I met one year ago today uh, yeah. from the recording of this podcast. Uh, we still we still message a lot. Um, and then uh, also a big shout-out to... Uh, a big shout out to. Um, <laughs> Do you have anyone? Yeah, I, I got some shout outs. Yeah, some big shout outs. Yeah, uh, to uh, local Southside Wrestling uh, who represent St. Nits a lot. Nice. So, uh, uh, yeah, check them out if you can. Okay, one more shout out because um, he he tweeted back to me uh, oh, recently. Who is, um, oh, who is it? Stu Bennett, aka Wade Barrett, aka Bad News Barrett. Um, I listened to a interview with him and Jericho. Yeah. And I and he was talking about his new film Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Um, so by by evolutionary films, he's playing the lead in this action film. How good was he when he had that kind of raising platform and he would give bad news? Yeah, That's my favourite bad news Barrett yeah. all the time. Yeah, he's great and a fellow Northwest Englishman. We connected on that. <laughs> he replied to me and he said uh, he obviously clocked my Twitter bio and he was like. Uh, Nil satis nisi optimum, my friend. Oh wow! Which is the uh, Everton motto. motto: nothing but the best. Will There's be. only one motto. Yeah, <laughs> survival. <laughs> survival. I think they should change it to survival. And then, and then somebody tweeted back at both of us, going, "Wait, Stu, I thought you were a Preston North End fan." Oh. I which he is. No, which he is. is. Okay. But, but, uh, but this obviously follower was really panicking that he was yeah. whoa, whoa, secretly whoa. an Everton fan. Yeah. And I was like, well, no, it's just a little Northwest thing. Anyway, <laughs> let's get to it. Yeah, let's get to it. Um, so it starts with a bit of a recap, actually, a bit of a video package recap with some rock classic. Very 80s. 80s rock music. Um, and what, they, did, what did we not have? We didn't have uh, the band play the national Well, anthem. we didn't have a national anthem. Yeah, we didn't have a national anthem. Um, but we did have this, and it was a, a little recap of the main three feuds. We had uh, Lex, uh, Luger, and Flair. Um, we had Dusty Rhodes and... Uh, violence for the sake of violence! <laughs> Don't take one limb, one head, one ear, one eye! It's going to be an eye for an eye! <laughs> Uh, so Dusty Rhodes and his feud uh, with um, with Sting on his side against the Road Warriors, and then also I think we had a bit of a what is it the Bam Bam feud maybe? Yeah, Bam Bam. A little bit of Bam Bam, yeah. A little bit of Bam Bam. Uh, so we are greeted by our host for the evening, Tony Schiavone and Magnum TA, <laughs> yeah. uh, who I'm a big fan of, by the way. Obviously, Magnum uh, can no longer wrestle, and I think they're making great use of him. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a likable uh, pundit slash yeah. you know, color color. He's not really color commentator; he's more no, of a pundit. No, but he no. brings a lot to the table, and, and it's actually in his hometown. And he says yeah. he says how he's I've always dreamed it'd be in my hometown. Oh. I, I just think that's a great uh, sentiment, sentiment from Mr. And I Magnum. bought it. I believed it. I believe and it. Then, and then we've got uh, our... We were introduced to our play-by-play and uh, colour commentators. <laughs> well, like, sort of two play-by-plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Jim Ross, good old JR. With no hat. No hat. So that doesn't count for the cowboy count, in my opinion. No, absolutely <laughs> not on a cowboy and count. And who else? Bob Cordell. Uh, hashtag Bob Cordell for Bob HOF. Fame. Yeah. Um, and just to paint the pictures as well, because I'm always interested in the development of this, the ring mm-hmm. has a green... It's like blue with a green apron with AWA on it. Yep. And the robes, interestingly, are red, white, and blue. Ooh. Echoing WWF. Thanksgiving colours. There we go. Not but it's Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, but it's Christmas time. Um, 
So and it's much lighter, isn't it? There's much lighter in the arena, isn't it? Round the ring, that first year we watched, it was kind of a pitch black round the ring. Only the ring was lit, and clearly as uh, production values have kind of gone up, yeah. they've managed to light the crowd more, and we kind of see they kind of a part of the show in yeah. a bigger way than they have been. Although the so entrance is no, has gone back to more traditional yeah. NWA, I think, because last year the entrance weight was quite quite a thing yeah. whereas this year it's literally just coming through the crowd <laughs> so let's go straight into our first match yeah first match match one is for the US Tag Team Championships uh, the title holders are the Fantastics made up of Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton and they're up against Kevin Sullivan the Games Master <laughs> <laughs> who hails from Singapore yeah I'm not buying that I'm not buying <laughs> why it. not I'm not buying it because that's it's... where he's from I just think it's got to be some kind of the dark arts where the dark arts come from no, but he, he spent time in Singapore they said the commentator I bet, said he, did, that. I bet he did spend time so in Singapore so he now hails from okay, Singapore okay. and uh, his tag partner is Dr. Death Steve Williams yeah who we are familiar with um, and Dr. Death compared to last year was he a babyface last year? He was. Yeah, he was because he was against Wyndham. Right. He was against Wyndham in his own face versus face. But this face, time, right. Kevin Sullivan and Dr. Death are clearly the... Games villain, master! The, the, <laughs> the villainous uh, tag team. Um, and the Fantastics, very much a babyface combo. They come out to generic rock music. They're in blue trunks, sparkly blue sparkly jackets. Sparkly blue. Which I liked. Yeah. Um, one of them is kind of pure blonde mullet the other one is mousy blonde it's quite hard to distinguish between them I think well once it got started I <laughs> saw a big difference in that <laughs> ring style um, so you got Tommy Rogers who was yep. the kind of mousy uh, hair coloured one uh, and a bit more his body was a bit more lean I thought mm-hmm. and then Bobby Fulton was the pure blonde mullet a little bit more rough around the edges they were a bit like for me the sort of rockers light That's what they, and they were kind of fan favourites but not as perhaps not as high-flying as the Rockers, but they had the fast-paced sort of tag-team expertise. Do you know what they reminded me of? Yeah. Uh, a tag-team combination from the 90s, short-lived WWF. I reckon I've got it. Is Go it, on. Is it Doug Furness? It Doug is! <laughs> Doug Furness and Because they wore the same blue... Um, uh, the same yeah, blue, uh, similar size, trans- similar builds, both yeah. technically sound. Yeah, I like um, those guys. And I feel like one of them had a martial arts background, a bit like Tommy Rogers, but I could be <laughs> wrong. Um, also, Tommy Rogers... His, his body and his movement and his physicality reminded me of a modern day wrestler that's in the roster at the moment. Uh, Ziggler. <laughs> no, the glorious one, Bobby Roode. Oh, Bobby Roode, yeah, okay, I can see that. I can see that. So, uh, Kevin Sol- Sullivan and Dr. Death, um, uh, so Dr. Death is in his usual red singlet, mm-hmm. and Kevin Sullivan is in his usual, he came out in a black robe, black trunks, no knee pads, and just plain boots, and... What did we think of the match? Well, uh, it's fast-paced. It's a, it's a clash of different styles. We've got this, and they kind of Jim Ross plays up the fact that pace is a key oh, part of this match, and the fact that the, the Fantastics are going to have to keep the pace up to uh, beat uh, Sullivan and Williams, uh, and of course they're trying to slow it down at, at all times. Uh, I think it, it was a, a, a good start to the match. The the fantastic sort of took the early advantage, much to the delight mm. of the fans. Uh, we had a special fan watching as well in this match. A, a celebrity, the highest order, all the way from Hollywood. Oh, uh, who was uh, it? Sylvester Stallone. No, uh, uh, Bruce Willis. No, um, uh, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Not Ronald Reagan. No. Have you seen uh, a great eighties show called The Wonder Years? Yeah. You know, I, you, know, you know, you know the main kid from that. 
Mm-hmm. Not him. Uh, not him. It's his brother, his older brother, uh, uh, Jason Hervey. Kevin, uh, not Kevin Ferrandi. It's his. I can't remember his brother's name. But he's no. the annoying brother from. And the I'm sure he was in Back to the Future as well. Possibly, yeah. As jo- as as um, as Martin McFly's mother's brother in 1955. If that's true, excellent. I think it is. Check it out, people. Fact check him. What do you um, mean you side in a rewrite? <laughs> But he's um, actually went on to be Eric Bischoff's business partner, partner in later life. Like they made some reality TV shows together and things like that. Cool. Um, so he's clearly a genuine fan. Um, one of my the best spots early on in the match was a double monkey flip from the two Fantastics on I think Sullivan, uh, and uh, this was much to the delight of Bob Cordell, who uh, uh, commented with this: "Two's twice as good as one." <laughs> Right, <laughs> I had that down as well. Um, I also love that uh, he also highlighted the fact that Kevin Sullivan he has a higher threshold of pain, <laughs> which is true. Who does Jim Ross seem to like quite a lot in this match? He likes <laughs> Doctor Death. We're gonna, this is going to be a running theme. Of yeah, this Jim Ross. Episode. You have to understand as well. We've literally just watched this pay per view together. Yes, unlike our usual method. Mm. So Jim Ross. I mean, I counted it. F- at minimum four times in this match. In this match alone, he met. He references Steve Williams's Oklahoma collegiate background. <laughs> yeah, he just he, he's the most recruited high school linesman ever. Okay, is yeah. that a, <laughs> apparently that's a thing? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, our American fans will be able to tell us more, but yeah. Um, uh, can often just there seems to be so much stats associated with NFL and collegiate American football <laughs> that the Brits yeah. are just like what what yeah he can run the forty in uh... I picture all American as being this uh, amazing badge of honor that if you get that as a sportsman in America you're Isn't kind of it like made. The, the the player of the year or something <laughs> it's MVP. <laughs> Montel Montavious Porter. Uh, <laughs> the is it the equivalent of the Bull of the Woods? I don't know, but anyway, um, Jim Ross brings that to the commentary, doesn't he? He's always bringing up their uh, athletic background and their sporting background in a college sort of backdrop. Which, uh, which I like. He's done his research, hasn't he? Which you've got to respect. Um, but, you know, uh, the match is, is, is um, fast-paced and they keep banging on about how the pace is so important. Oh, can we also, can I also mention that it had, they made a point of it. It's a 30-minute time limit and they did announce how much time yeah. was left every five minutes. And in they, every match they do this. Yeah, and I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Why do you love it so much? Because it's an extra rule that adds extra tension. It's like when you watch Mission Impossible mm-hmm. and it's like 10 minutes, beep, and it starts counting down. Yeah. You've got automatic tension because not only do you want your favourite to win, but they have to do it within a certain time. And in addition to that, it makes it feel like an actual contest yeah. instead of just this universe that's fictional where everything is scripted. Yeah, I think Mic drop <laughs> I think time limits are important and I think the fact they don't reference them in the modern product sometimes every uh, time it, it, yeah every time it takes away uh, the sort of legitimacy of the sporting contest of the fight and which... it, adds, it just adds more story because you can have like when they say go the distance mm. if a challenger goes the distance with a champion yeah then that it builds up. Even if they lose, it yeah. builds them up. It's like up. in boxing, if you go 12 rounds, the, the loser still has yeah. some you know, uh, respect from going the distance. Yeah. So the finish? Um, the finish, uh, the finish uh, comes from... Um, 
It's quite a convoluted finish. Uh, I like it. Uh, yeah. So Fulton is whipped into ropes and he runs at uh, Dr. Steve Williams. But Williams lifts him up and he gets uh, dropped onto his neck onto the top rope. Uh, Rogers, meanwhile, is, is fighting with um, uh, Kevin Sullivan. But as he turns around, he doesn't see what's happened to Bobby. Williams makes the covers. He kicks out sort of on the three, but it's not quite enough. Yeah. Williams actually holds him down quite <laughs> a realistic pit, um, pinning combination. And we have new tag team champions. Yep. And the commentary, the commentators play this up as quite an upset, actually. That the Even though uh, Williams and uh, Sullivan are kind of... Re- big men and big men respected renowned wrestlers they've been on other starcades I think because they're not an actual what I like about it is because they're not an usual tag team combination they've only recently got together mm-hmm. uh, that's seen as a disadvantage against the Fantastics who are kind of a tag team experts fast paced combo who mm-hmm. know each other inside out so we have new tag team champions in the first match yeah. Um, and yeah I thought it was a good start to the start to the night it's definitely a clash of styles but I think it actually worked quite well I thought it, I thought it was really nice and I, I really liked like the Fantastics, mm. um, I thought especially I liked Tommy Rogers. Yeah, I thought he had a lot of fire, and I liked his. He had some nice kicks, um, and they're a team I'd never heard of. You know, no, I'd never heard of. Them. I've, I've never heard of them, and it was nice to see. Yeah, these guys could go. They didn't. They look great. They look. Come out to generic rock music. Yeah. And Kevin Sullivan and Dr. Death came out to like fanfare music. It's really <laughs> weird. Uh, but we suspect that both aren't the real music they came out yeah, to. Yeah. This one is, there aren't many of the songs I think that were actually the, the originals, which is a shame, but we understand for licensing, licensing sort of laws, I guess they can't do it. So um, we head back to Shivani Magnetia, which is going to be. Uh, something they do all night where they kind of give their comments on the match that's just been and predictions for the rest of the night and they make some predictions uh, and then we go back to Cordell and um, uh, Jim, Ross. Jim Ross and they sort of interrogate those predictions and what I love about it was that Cordell I'm not quite agreeing with some of the predictions <laughs> that they made there which is great to see because you know obviously we need to have that even though even the experts don't know they can't call it yeah and you get different analysis from different experts. Yeah, absolutely. So match two, who have we got? Match two. Okay, so this needs to be... We have the original Midnight Express, so they call themselves, um, which is made up of Ravishing Randy Rose and Loverboy Dennis Cordry with their manager, Paulie Dangerously, who obviously later becomes Paul Heyman, uh, against the, another team claiming to be the Midnight Express with their manager, Jim Cornette, made up of beautiful Bobby Eaton and sweet Stan Lane. Well done. <laughs> and the the original Midnight yeah. are in pink and purple. Mm-hmm. And the the other Midnight Express, managed by Cornette, are in black uh, with like a pink-purple stripe. Little rainbow, sort of yeah, mini yeah. rainbow stripe on there. Um, and, and the Midnight, the original Midnight, come out to this nightclub music that I thought was reminiscent of Streets of Rage <laughs> yeah. from the Mega Drive game and the other Midnight came out to the same music which I thought was a good gimmick yeah and they both were announced as both being from the dark side loved and it the, the whole point of this match is they are feuding over the, the rights to being the Midnight Express yeah. so this match is kind of to decide who can uh, use that name going forward 
Uh, and clearly they've been feuding about this for a while. I mean, if you remember, we've seen Bobby and Dennis, who are actually on opposing teams here in a previous Starcade, on the same team. So there's a lot of history going on in this match. And um, fans of the Midnight Express, it's kind of it's a bit like uh, Kane versus Kane Undertaker. Undertaker versus Undertaker. Undertaker, yeah. versus Undertaker. Or the New Rockers versus <laughs> yeah, the Rockers. <laughs> the ro- uh, <laughs> the, no, it yeah. doesn't work. And it's got a 20 minute time limit. Mm. Straight away, it's a bit of a melee. Mm. Um, Jim Cornette's getting involved. Jim Cornette is so over. Yeah. It, they, they're almost as over, if not more, than the teams themselves. I mean, everyone wants to see Cornette beat the holy hell out of Paulie Dangerously. Correct. I'm going to give him a Christmas present. I'm going to give a Christmas present to America. I'm going to kick his butt. That's what he says. <laughs> it gets a massive, massive pop on that. Massive, massive pop. Um, this is a all-out war, isn't it, this match? It is an all-out war. Um, war. War on the outside as well. Um, I thought it was, it was just great tag team wrestling. Yeah. Double teams. Uh, isolations in the corner. Just and occasionally, um, the original Midnight Express are knocked outside the ring, and Jim Cornette takes full advantage, and he absolutely smashes them over his bracket. <laughs> Dennis takes a battering, as does Randy. Um, good to see, and they kind of play up the fact that Cornette's more ready to fight than we've ever seen because we've seen him before, isn't absolutely And he's coward, cowards, yeah. you know. And tonight he's ready to fight for the, his team. He's been pushed to the limit. Yeah, and very much Bobby and Stan are the faces here, aren't they? The crowd are oh, loving it. Loving it. Um, and Jim Ross describes this match as uh, it's like smoking a cigarette and an ammunition dump. Something bad's going to happen. <laughs> and I also think this highlights as well. You've got the whole Paulie Dangerously who kind of represents that. East Coast yuppie oh, yeah. who's always on his mobile making mm. deals yeah. versus Jim Cornette who's the southern boy honest southern boy yeah. yeah so I really like that dynamic and the telephone prop that Paul Lee has comes into play for the finish it does come into play for the finish um after quite a lengthy battle we end up and this finish is, is, is quite complicated to explain but dangerously hits sweet Stan with the phone and the phone is used as a weapon if you think kind of saved by the bell that kind of phone it's that kind of remember yeah, it's a massive yeah, yeah. massive phone and Cornette then gets in the ring and he punches Paulie dangerously and it gets a football last minute winner ovation uh, but then Teddy Long counts to two and what I loved about this Teddy Long here is ref he notices the phone and he stops on two yeah which is a good officiating in my opinion and he asked the audience he asked the audience what happened? Did you see him hit him with the phone? And of course, the crowd are going, yeah, yeah, he hit him, he hit him, he hit him. But this allows, uh, in this sort of time, um, them to hit a finisher. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like the finishing move that currently is used by, um, also Facer, the, uh, the club. So it's kind of that, the similar finisher that they have. The magic killer finish, but it's called in this case. I think it's called the bamboozle, yeah, or the double doozer. Uh, <laughs> uh, like double doozer allows them to hit it, and uh, they get the win. So the win is Bobby uh, Eaton and Stan Lane. They 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 win the match, and they get the name back. They get the name, although immediately after they get the pin, uh, Dennis and Randy beat holy hell out of them with the tennis racket and so there's a kind of although they've won the battle as Jim Ross says about five times the war was not 
over. This is going to carry on this feud, I think. This is going to carry on. And even though they've won the match, there perhaps is some kind of dispute about the ending that perhaps they play up over mm-hmm. the coming months. Yeah. But so match two, a tremendous match <laughs> from yeah. the beginning to the end. A great tag team expertise <laughs> in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, brings us to the end of match two. So, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, we go backstage to meet our new US tag team champs. Oh, yeah. Kevin Sullivan and Dr. Death with Magnum TA, who's backstage. And they've also got Mike Rotunda there. Mike dude. Rotunda is there. And they, they actually, as a group, they're called the Varsity Club at this time, aren't they? Um, and um, I'll, I'll give a go at Mike Rotunda's promo. <laughs> Hit me. Do you want to give me a Magnum TA intro? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, uh, so you're later tonight, you'll be facing uh, Rick Steiner. Thoughts on the match? The Variety Club will always be at the top. <laughs> Rick. I'm going to beat you like a stupid dog. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kick you like a dog. I'm going to kick you. I'm going to beat you. <laughs> the varsity club certainly uh, not lacking in confidence. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good, I thought it was a good promo. And I quite like the fact that Mike Rotunda's got a great like a demeaning way of speaking in his yeah. promos isn't he? he really patronizes and I could, he really gets under the skin of both his opponent and the audience. So a lot of Rotunda He's just got love. this like um, what's the word? The the comp- uh, cockiness, arrogance, com- some kind of complex. Yeah, as if a superior, Su- yeah, yeah. yeah, superiority complex. Yeah. Like, and he's just I'm like, better than you. I'm better than you. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's great that he's the champ going into it. Brilliant. So, so then we go uh, to match three. Match three. Um, so can I just so first of all, um, first entrance is Junkyard Dog, mm-hmm. JYD, JYD, and Ivan Koloff, mm-hmm. and they come out to a very funky 80s sounding song now what are your theories on what this might have been um, if it was a real tune it sounded a bit like the beginning of Funky Town do you know oh can I move on that's what it sounded do you know I think it sounded more like just because it had a very distinctive drum beat okay go on it made me think of uh, Susudio by Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah, that's what made me think of. So that was my theory. Excellent. Uh, so Junkyard Dog, who has come out in white pants with red and blue stars with thump on his ass. He always had thump on his ass. I never noticed that. He always had thump on his ass, not JYD. As a kid, it annoyed me. Oh, really? It annoys me now. God okay, okay. No, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, Junkyard Dog is built from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and he gets a massive pop. He's really over. And then Ivan Kolov, who this year also gets a massive pop. Yeah, he's a face this year. Despite the fact that he's from the Soviet Union and he uh, weighs 113 kilograms. They're, they're a bit of a, a random tag team combination, but I think they're joined together in a hatred of the number one Paul Jones. And this match has a sort of stipulation, now that we should name who they're against. Sorry, they're against... <laughs> they're against <laughs> not the assassins but the Russian assassins assassin Different. number one and Russian assassin number two and they are in they what colour? red red lots of red with which four letters? Um, All over USSR CCCP oh yeah yeah CCCP and um, so and I must say Ivan Koloff is in is still in his also, CCCP singlet, but his singlet is in black. Yeah, dark, isn't it? Um, it's a 20-minute match, or 20-minute time limit, one fall. And the stipulation is, if 
the Russian assassins lose, then Paul Jones has to retire. So retirement match for Paul Jones okay. that's on the line. That's high stakes. High stakes. So can I? So we're getting into the match. Uh, I noticed all these guys are very much heavyweights. These are bigger guys. Yeah, bru- like much more like they, they're bruises that you know much more powerful mm-hmm. are thrown around the ring. And as a kid, I never really saw the appeal of junkyard dog. But no, I have he's, to, he's I, yeah. I have to say, in this match, there was an adult. I can see. You know, he was he had fire, he was powerful and he just he can read a crowd, he's yeah. just great. He's over as well. Everything he did was really, really over in this match. And I think they had to sort of carry this match a bit as well, JYD and, and, and Koloff, because when it's two guys in masks and they're assassin number one and number two, it's quite hard as a fan, isn't it, to know who's who. Yeah. <laughs> to know what their history is, what they I mean, we know Paul Jones' character, he's the villain. Communists. Uh, but we, yeah, we can. What we just have to dislike them because they're Russian, uh, yeah. which you know, obviously watching now, so uncomfortable with. Um, but you know, the match for what it was, I thought they did an okay job. Um, it wasn't the fastest pace of match. I was wondering, Jim Ross seemed to have an, an unbelievable knowledge of which assassin was in the ring at any time. Do you know what else he had a lot of knowledge about? No, what? <laughs> he had a knowledge. A lot of knowledge about the junkyard dog is all star Louisiana <laughs> and the NAIA All American. <laughs> and he has a and uh, Bob Cole described JYD and Ivan Koloff as a rough tough combination. And there was, there was one moment where JYD punched one of the assassins over the ropes. Camera cuts were a, a young girl watching the, the fight, and Jim Ross came up and Her eyes are big. What a sight. Oh, my Jim Ross impression was there. Her eyes are big. What a sight to see. Like, it's that family feel of NWA. Love it's it. it's, it's going to be a bloody fight night, but bring kids along. It's going to be great. Um, the thing I was going to say so, JYD, mm-hmm. Junkyard Dog, had me thinking there's something quite magical about three initial names for wrestlers. Oh, yeah. So, name some <laughs> MVP. Second MVP, correct. <laughs> Ding. Um, I've got five more. Oh, wow. Off the top of my head, uh, DDP. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> DDP. Um, oh, God. Um, I was going to say one, two, three, kid, but it doesn't really count, does he? Um, no, you can hit me with some. One of your favourites of all time? Uh, if not the? The? Oh, Y2J. Correct. Yeah. Um, the soon-to-be owner of the company of WWE? Uh, soon-to-be? Oh, Triple H. Triple yeah, H, yeah. three H's. Yeah. Mike Rotunda, a.k.a. IRS. There's also, you just yeah. open my eyes up to the New Age Outlaws, were sometimes known as NAO. And then, Insane Clown Posse. Yeah, and Legion of Doom, LOD. LOD. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, also Modern, NXT, and uh, TNA. Um, EC3. EC3, yeah. I think there's something about... Uh, we, MOM, Men on a Mission. Men on a Mission. There is loads. Loads. Non-stop. Send them, send them into us. Send them in. Uh, but it's one of those things. I mean, uh, it's actually something we uh, use a lot. I think the power of three is something that we use. And I guess it's easy to chart along to, isn't it? One, two, two three. By the way, really, really loving the shout-out to MOM. So we've got three Russians in this match. Uh, any references to the Cold War? I didn't hear any. There was one. Oh, was there? <laughs> yeah. So the, one of the uh, Russian assassins whips the other Russian assassin to the corner. They miss. Bob Cordell very handily uh, uh, joins in by saying, oh, that Russian missile was a dud. 
Oh, <laughs> but the move is called the missile. Yeah. Okay. So okay. is but that the a common dud. reference? Yeah, dud. It was a dud because it's like uh, the missile doesn't I'm not work. Sure. I think Corner was calling it right down the middle. Anyway, the finish of this match, uh, it's a shorter match this one, wasn't it? But the finish of the match, a bit of an odd one, wasn't it? Because it seemed like the, uh, Ivan Koloff had it in the bag. He'd hit yeah. the sickle finisher oh, on one of the assassins. He was covering them. It looked like the referee was slightly distracted. The other assassin was outside the ring. Paul Jones gave him a foreign object, uh, possibly Russian, uh, that he put up his mask. <laughs> he climbed into the ring, did a headbutt, it seemed to with the knock, foreign object, with the in, foreign his object in his mask and it knocked Ivan Koloff out and he covered him for the win uh, one, two, three and the Russian assassins win Paul Jones doesn't have to retire but bit of a confusing match and my biggest contention with it although maybe I need to watch it back again and monitor this closely although I probably won't uh, <laughs> <laughs> who was the legal man? I'm not sure which assassin was legal I'm, I'm pretty sure that the referee um, called it right <laughs> yeah, right down the line. Right down the middle. Um, so there was three great matches so far, uh, <laughs> and uh, we went back to uh, Jim Ross and, and, and Cordell, who seemed at this point to be talking quite a lot about the three matches we've had so far, about the the title change we'd seen. Um, uh, in fact, how many title changes we've seen at this point? We'd seen US Tag Team Champs have changed hands. Yeah. And that's it. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're the only two titles. Oh, one yeah, of the yeah. titles been on the line. That's oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but as this, as they're talking, uh, a shark cage has been lowered into the arena. And while it's being lowered in, not for the first time in this pay per view, <laughs> we have the same theme for the same two wrestlers that are oh facing God. each other. This must be a one off, like double back to back. Yeah. Same interesting usage. And I've I've written it down as the fanfare theme. Because it sounds like a familiar fanfare. Like as if it's an alternate Yeah. Oh it's something it sounds like a riff on the US national anthem, which could be like a state anthem. I think it must be a collegiate university theme that exists. I, that's okay. all, all Americans, think. let us know. Yeah, is, does varsity have a theme? Yeah. Like, does does the College of Michigan or Syracuse have a theme? <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to our competitors for this match. We have, well, first of all, it is for the World TV title. Or as Magnum TA would call it, the World's. <laughs> TV Championship. Um, Mike Rotunda is the champion. He's held it for a year, and he's been he's he's, he's for all competitors. At one point, he's even put ten thousand dollars on the line, and he's up against his former Varsity Club team member, the Dogface Gremlin, Rick Steiner, who's <laughs> billed from Detroit, Michigan. And he, uh, whereas Mike Rotunda's from Syracuse, New York, up up north. <laughs> then again, Detroit isn't exactly southern either. So. Should I know the University of Syracuse? It seemed like I went there. From the, <laughs> it seemed like from the commentary, I should we should both yeah. have a really good knowledge of. They've Syracuse. got a really uh, big um, chemistry department. <laughs> By the way, Michigan. I only. What do you think, Michigan? What's the first thing you think? Of? I think Steiner Brothers. Yeah, because of the M on the yeah, thing. Yeah, the M on yeah. the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pro wrestling teaching us ge- American geography <laughs> yeah. since we were kids. So the match itself. Um, we've got Kevin Sullivan in the cage mm-hmm. to stop him interfering. Um, Rick Steiner is in a navy singlet with Michigan on the front and Dogface Gremlin on the back. Mm-hmm. Mike Rotunda is in a navy singlet with Varsity written. And I've, I've got to know here, just to kick off, um, most people, WWF fans, 
would know Mike Rotunda as IRS, yep. which is worth reminding. So you used to see him in a shirt and tie, whereas here you're seeing, you get a full view of his body. He's actually got good physique. He's too. got a great physique, and Rick Steiner has got an even better physique. Oh my God. Rick Steiner, I mean... The Steiner jeans are outrageous. I mean, Rick Steiner, he, I mean, his, and, and we talked about it, this match, if we get into the meat and potatoes mm. of it, um... I think it was a it was two proper wrestlers. Oh yeah. And the modern guy that we both thought of was Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. In terms of the speed, in terms of the agility, the strength, yeah. the 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 kind of collegiate uh, the amateur background was uh, which Jim Ross did remind us about was really on display here. And they're two this for quite big guys. The pace and the agility of them is really impressive, and the sort of technical grounding they have. Yeah, um, it's the same thing that you saw with with like Bret Hart, Chris Benoit, mm. Kurt Angle, and I, I wrote down they had shades of the new generation. You know, I think as well of, of what was to be the new generation. Yeah, and they have from what we've seen in the previous years. I felt these two are a, a kind of the poster boys, and perhaps they, they were they are sort of mid card, but they are these great workers and they're going to always give you a great match I think especially when mm. they're against each other mm. yeah and um, and just to be sure it's for one fall and it's a 20 minute time limit and Kevin Sullivan is suspended in that cage high above the ring we did say that yeah we did oh good but, but, it, but it's worth reminding yeah. keep in mind P- keep in mind that um, the other Varsity Club member who we've already seen tonight Dr. Death is nowhere to be seen <laughs> and uh, I also I thought that Bob Cordell made a great comment about um, one of the key principles of professional wrestling mm-hmm. which is that well you know one of the main aims when you had to have a sporting contest is to keep the third man and the fourth man out of it <laughs> very good habits he's got Good habits. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I counted, I counted, so we're now on, I think, eight, nine in total Jim Ross collegiate references. <laughs> Rick Steiner made his pro debut in 1986, and he was one of two sport All-Staters. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Mike Rotunda, trained by Dick Byer. Dick Byer. <laughs> Dick Byer gets a lot of yeah. mention in this airtime. Um, Shout out to Dick Byer. This match, for me, I put great storytelling and one of the elements of storytelling that is going to be a theme of this night, because I always feel like these podcasts now, it's like a pro wrestling education. Yeah, it really um, is. One of the things that's going to come up is the fact that, A, great storytelling. And what's a great part of great storytelling? Number one, a time limit. Time limits. Number two, exhaustion. Mm. And ex- and there's a difference between having two guys and throwing the, oh, they're out of shape, so they're knackered thing. Yeah. Versus... It's a sport. It's when you flick on a boxing match, you you know within seconds whether it's round one, round six, or round twelve. Yeah. And this was evident throughout the card. These guys were fit, in shape, muscular, agile, and yet as the time limit waned on, they were getting tired. Their yeah. moves were getting sloppier, and it was just it was more believable. It's exhaustion. Yeah, exhaustion. But it's not. Kind of selling for five for a minute and then doing an amazing move and then <laughs> being okay again. It's about and do you know what else? It's not. It's not doing a massive move, mm. then sitting up mm. and doing a shocked face. Yeah, <laughs> for like a minute. 
while the other the other wrestler doesn't do anything. But it is far more believable that both men are tired, and actually, it puts both men over, and they naturally get over. Even Rotunda, he's the sort of heel here. You start to respect him. You respect him because he can go the distance, he can go the time limit, he can give everything that Steiner gives him, and and, and reverse. Um, the crowd are really into this match. There's really lots of chance for Rick Steiner, who's clearly the favourite. Um, but the commentators put over both guys. Uh, an interesting one here, isn't it? Because Steiner's got this gimmick that we don't really see in ring as much. We'll see it later on in the pay-per-view. But on his hand, he's got a, a drawn-on dog, and he's called Alex. Okay? Why? I don't know why he's called Alex. Why not something more... Mr. Socko-esque. Very Mr. Socko-esque. And he's kind of... The commentators refer to him. And I'd say it's one thing that's slightly for me to uh, makes Rick Steiner seem less serious because he's a great athlete and a great wrestler but the gimmick he's got is slightly oh, it's very Eugene-esque isn't it yeah very Eugene-esque. which basically is I mean there's no better way to put it basically insinuating that he's simple yes and kind of mentally retarded and we should root for him because he's simple because he's simple and slow yeah and Robin highlighted you know that well how did he get into university but then I, I correctly pointed <laughs> yeah. out that you can get in on a sports scholarship yeah which but then even is. so um, it's a tricky area to yeah. push a gimmick into but I think what you know I think it's it's obviously early in Rick Steiner's career it's yep. a different time mm-hmm. My memory of Rick Steiner in the mid-90s and the late-90s in Nitro was that they kind of perfected his character, yeah. which was he was the dog-faced gremlin, and he was a bit crazy, yes. and he would bite you, and he would be intense, and he would be quick, mm. and he'd be sneaky, but he, he was never, you know, dumb. Um, so this match, you know, great athletic contest. Both guys uh, pulling off some great moves. Uh, but as we approach the finish, uh, guess who appears... Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Dr. Death, Steve Williams appears. Um, big power slam by Rick, and he hits an incredible oh, belly-to-belly gorgeous uh, belly uh, to belly. suplex. He covers him, um, but the bell rings, and it's been rung by Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Steiner gets up thinking he's won the match, and it kind of plays on that fact he's a bit simple. Yeah, yeah, and in yeah. fact, because it's clearly been a two-count, not a three. Yeah. Um, and that... Uh, activates the cage to be lowered by the two guys in the whoever's lowering yeah because they somewhere. just they heard the bell they heard the bell and they That's started cute. lowering hey, yeah let's get down they're doing their job <laughs> they're doing that job Tommy Young the head official who we've seen in previous years he gets involved he comes down um, and Sullivan's sort of holding Young so he grabs Young Steiner though whips Rotunda into uh, the ropes Young ducks out of the way hits Sullivan classic uh, moment where the bad guy hits the bad guy it, it sort of Rotunda clashes head he collapses to the floor Steiner covers him and both Teddy Long and Tommy Young make the count one two three Rick Steiner is crowned TV champion of the world's the world's TV champion yeah and to the crowd's absolute delight yeah it's a real uh Fan favourite moment. Delirium. Delirium. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Elation, ecstatic sort of uh, moment for the crowd. And we get our second title change of the night. And I thought it was a really uh, good match uh, and uh, deserving. And, and I, was, it, I was rooting for him, genuinely I was rooting, rooting for, him. for Rick and it was a great finish. And the thing I loved about this finish was that the momentum just gathered pace, gathered pace, gathered pace, gathered pace, gathered pace, controversy, controversy, mm. two refs coming in, more bodies in the ring, interference. Mm. And it just came to a great crescendo. 
and it was a great finish and it and Rick did get a bit of luck yes. on the finish but you feel like he deserved it because Rotunda was being a bit sneaky yeah um, and then after that we cut to Magnum TA who sums up my thoughts oh, exactly and love he just it. said quite genuinely well this is what it's all about this is Starcade. This is where the magic takes place. <laughs> yeah, and the the content is big up the fact that it's uh, over for two, zero for two title changes so far, and and they kind of play out the fact that that's a bit strange because usually it'd been the champions for favorite. Yeah. So <laughs> the fact it's gone against that, I like the fact that they they've got that traditional respect for the champion, and that, that it's quite rare for them to lose the title. It's not. And like, also, it's it's a very sporting thing because you know we've just had the World Cup, mm. and example. When Germany and Brazil come out of the World Cup, suddenly the smaller, in inverted mm. commas, teams then get a boost yeah. psychologically, <laughs> which makes it more likely for teams like, you know, Portugal to also get eliminated. Yeah. So yeah. I think it the, the kind of the look and the spirit of the night can take hold and anything can happen. Yeah, that's what they already are playing that. that but I think it's up. true. I think mean, <laughs> I, think I do true. think it's true. It's true in sport, and this is the greatest sport. Yeah, and I think what I love about their presentation of this sort of event, as opposed to WWF's presentation, is that it is a sporting event, a sporting occasion, and champions are to be revered as sporting greats. And what do you think? Because I'm, I've been thinking about this a lot in my in in, in the last <laughs> you know year. Yeah. Um, we grew up watching mainly WWF. Yes. As kids, the introduction was WWF, mm-hmm. no doubt. And at the time, you know, people like, you know, Bulldog, Brett, Warrior, Hogan, Undertaker, for kids, they're an easier way in. Yes. And I do wonder if, like, it. I mean, WWF gets you in, and then, but then as, as we've got older, we're, we're totally loving this. Mm. So it's, it's kind of this weird thing of. Would we've got into it as, as easily? And- I think because I remember the first way one of the first ways I got into it was a WWF magazine, and it had all the Survivor Series cards in this center spread, mm-hmm. and it was the colors and the costumes and the characters that definitely got me yeah. in. And you could kind of get some of the characters. Just can't you? The Mountie, I get. He's going to be a bad guy, uh, Canadian policeman. The British Bulldog, I'm going to get. I get the characters instantly because of the kind of brightness of their colors and the sort of the mm-hmm. light. Larger than life superstars. Like, and as yeah. a kid, definitely it drew me. Bret Hart with his glasses. And I think here, I mean, if I'd seen Steiner and uh, Rotunda, I don't know if I would have been as interested because I would have just seen them as sport. As I think Steiner's quite players. a kid-friendly. Yeah, character. when he speaks, and especially because he's got he's got yeah. the the ear protectors, ear protectors, which I love. Yeah. Who else is wearing? Ear- oh, um, Kurt Angle sometimes. Yeah, Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger with them sometimes as well, yeah. Um, but it's, it's an interesting, but let us know what you think of this mm. whole, watch Starcade and get <laughs> yeah. involved. Um, so we're into match number five. And it's for the US uh, title, right? The US Championship. The United States World's Heavy, no, <laughs> the United States Championship. And we have, coming out first. Uh, coming out first uh, was Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam, bam, bam. Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam Bigelow as a face. Is this our first Bam Bam Bigelow It is our first Bam 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 Bigelow Welcome to the show, Bam Bam. Welcome, Bam Bam. Um, And I have to say, I've written here, never aged. Never aged. Like, as in, he didn't look much older than this. And I'm always surprised that later on in his career, I think you could put two pictures side by side and you'd be like, he kept consistent sort of shape, size, 
and appearance and and ability. Yeah, I think it's because maybe he's because he's a big guy. He's actually much younger than we. I think he is. Yeah, when I see him at this stage, and the tattoos as well. The tattoo, tattoos and a bald head, mm. like immediately age someone. But then mm. you, they kind of hit a a thing where yeah, pattern, yeah, yeah, where it's just like I mean, look at Austin, and he he is one of the first. I was saying to you during it that the first one to really use tattoos, you know, to have tattoos as part of his attire. And it was intimidating. And I remember as a kid being like, whoa, on his head. And, on his head. And they talk about the match that he spent 12 months going back and forth to tattoo parlours having this done. And it shows his toughness, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. He's, he's not only he's got a tattoo. It's on his for, skull. Yeah, it's not just for design appearances. It's like, look at the pain I can put up with. I can put up with 12 months of pain. It's also a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> and I think nowadays they have them for kind of a bit gimmicky. It's part of the costume. It's appearance. Or not. Yeah, it's or just, not. People just... Just you know, have them, yeah. Um, but there's a story behind it which I love, and uh, he's accompanied though by, and I think this slightly jarred me, his manager, which is Sir Oliver Humperdinck. Great manager. Um, <laughs> he looks like a bit like Lou Albano in his sort of. Is it Lou Alba- Albano? Lou Al- Albano. 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 But he. Um, has sort of bright colours. He also looks... Well, Bam Bam of, wears his classic outfit. Yeah. Which is WWF fans, WWE fans, ECW fans. Timeless. Whatever. You will recognise it. He's wearing his black all-in-one mm. get-up. With the flames. With the, with the, with the flames. And mm. it suits him so much. And what does yeah. he build as? He's built as the Beast from the East. Always, Always. and forever. And it's the original perfect. Beast, Brooklyn. Yeah. Huh? The Beast from the East. Yeah. And he is built from Asbury uh, Park, Asbury Park, which New is uh, Which is... Bruce Springsteen land. Uh, and it's the East? East Street Band, yeah. It's yeah. the East, it's the East. Um, and he's against the champion, and a um, lot of time for the champion this match. Uh, it's Barry Windham with his manager, James J. Dillon, or J.J. Dillon, as we often know him as. And he, they're part of the, obviously, representing the four horsemen. And Barry Windham's got this great look, isn't he? He's got, first of all, we've got to point out the black glove he wears in his right fist. Uh, and it just looks like a man who means business. And that, that is going to be one of his weapons in the match. And yeah, <laughs> Number one on the cowboy count. First cowboy. Yeah, he's wearing his cowboy boots, black trunks. Slacks. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Chaps. Chaps. <laughs> yeah, not slacks. <laughs> Chaps, yeah. Cletus, the slag. Um He's wearing, yeah, black chaps initially, black vest, as the Americans call mm. it, waistcoat, as we yeah. call it, with uh, black trunks, black glove on the right hand, black knee pads, and, my God, like, last year he was a, he was a fan favourite. Mm. This year, he's a dirty... Heel. He's a heat magnet. He's a heat magnet. The fans give him so much heat. Um, I think it's because he has helped uh, Flair defeat Luger in previous events uh, leading up to yeah. this. He's but like an, he comes off like a, like a hitman. Yeah. And he the other thing that I loved about, and I think it's that thing of, wow, just when you watch it, it's beautiful. When he's announced, he's so still. Yeah. And all he does when they announce him is lift up his right hand and do the four horsemen thing. As if like... I don't. I don't need to do anything. Yeah, I'm not gonna. All this announcement stuff is just for you fans. And I'm not gonna sort of play up to you guys for cheers. He doesn't and, want any cheers. And do you know who does that right now in the product on WWE? Uh, lots of bad guys. Loads. No, no. Oh, oh, sorry. No. Well, as in, does his entrance? As, as in, in, doesn't play up. Oh yeah, no, very few of them. Shout out to Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, I think when Jericho was in his suit phase, he did that. 
He did. He, when he was when he was real when he was not the cowardly heel recently when he was in the suit he often would do nothing and he writes about his books the power of doing nothing and just letting the heat come because yeah. fans in a way want to they're looking for maybe a reason to cheer you some reason if you give them nothing they're not cheering you yeah exactly boom so into the match um, I love the tactic talk from Jim oh, Ross incredible yeah and Bob Caudle and they're talking about the difference in size the difference in weight Bam Bam Bigelow's a near 400 pounder they sell the fact that they've never seen a man that heavy move like Bam Bam does which mm. is totally true whereas Barry Windham's this tall lean lean um, guys so they're talking about the, the importance of time mm-hmm. and how the longer it goes on the more it's going to favour Barry Windham and also by comparison how Bam Bam Bigelow has got to he's got to get in there and really maul him <laughs> which is true which is true and I think Windham plays a great heel tactic here he keeps stalling whenever Bam Bam gets the advantage Windham leaves the ring he goes to JJ and he sort of slows takes the, the pace out. down takes the time out and it's I just love that sort of even though he's really young at this time he's 26 he shows that wily veteran instinct which I think a good heel has to have yeah. and and it, you could, the crowd hate it and but they but also I am lapping it up as and, he does and it. JJ it's all part of JJ's instruction and training for mm. his camp of four yeah. horsemen it gives it's, more it's meaning tactics. to JJ doesn't it JJ's yeah. not just there to cheer him on He's maybe maybe whispers a bit of tactics, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a few times when um, Barry Windham's like trying to get the advantage, and Bam Bam's just too powerful. Yeah, and, they uh, both take pretty nasty falls out of the ring, actually. Correct. Yeah, and there's there's nothing protecting the ring ape uh, around the ring. Yeah. there's no matting or anything. ECW style, you might say. And but there's one Bam Bam hits, and he legitimately looks like he has ruined his knee. And well, he did. Jim Ross says about how he, uh, but I mean forever. No, but um, he did. Not forever. He can't arrest. No, but he, that's but, what. But he he, he um, has had surgery on that knee, and Jim Ross talks about how his wheels have let him down before. Great, and quote. I love the the metaphor of his wheels. And that was the the turning point in the match because up until then, um, Barry Windham couldn't. He, he was hanging with Bam Bam, but mm. he had to keep taking breaks. And then once Bam Bam got the knee injury, uh, Barry Windham started to really circle in on it. Um, Some excellent commentary on Wyndham. So Wyndham started to take advantage, and Bob Cordo is, is is going. Wyndham is rising to a level I, I've never seen him compete at. It's, it's like marking that progression. I think we see it sometimes. I remember when I go up to Sunset ninety one when Brett wins that match against Perfect. I think the commentators play up how this is a big step forward for him. I think it's important commentators mark that that yeah. this is Wyndham at his best, yeah. and we have not seen this before. It's not like oh he's at his usual standard. This is a marked progression, which yeah. I think is, I respect. Progression in the career, and also it mimics the boxing analogy of if you've got one fighter who's knocked out everyone he's faced, but he always knocks them out before round six. Yeah, and then yeah, and then the, his opponent then goes, well, he can last till six, but let's see how he is in the eleventh, <laughs> and just takes him to it. So the knee injury happens. Barry Windham gets it, and also some great working punches in this match. Yeah, some excellent. I mean, um, Windham. I mean, the glove thing helps sell it as well. But he throws some excellent punches at Bigelow. It really looks like he is causing tremendous pain to the side of his head. It kept hit the side of Bigelow's head. Took a battering in this match. So the finish. Uh, the finish is uh, well. This kind of a moment when um, he shows overconfidence, Bigelow. He splashes him from the outside which for the time is revolutionary I don't know it's oh. not, we haven't seen anyone do this from from the um, apron leap over the ropes and splash Wyndham 
but as he's getting doing the count, he pulls him up on a two count, uh, and then he decides to throw him in the corner, and he does, goes to uh, the top rope. Goes to the top rope, and he misses a splash. But the commentator is really a hot on this about how he could have won it there and then, but his overconfidence and his willingness to kind of give Wyndham more of a beating cost him and it costs him near the end because um, Wyndham starts taking advantage and he actually slams Bigelow which is really impressive for his size Um, he goes for this incredible sort of backwards leaping elbow drop off the top he misses it uh, and then both sort of go over the top rope as Bigelow fights back and they're fighting outside and they're kind of whipping each other into the ring post and the the, the side uh, barriers uh, but um, the referee's counting down and Wyndham manages to get back in after Bigelow's hit the post and Bigelow is just about counted out and Bigelow loses by count out and Wyndham retains his title. And one of the things, little thing I noticed when they came to the outside and the count out happened, they are so believably fighting each other. Yeah. Like, it was, it was they were in the heat of the moment and I bought... They don't care about the ref. Yeah, and it's like... They they want to beat each other up. Yeah. And another thing that ruthless aggression, which is so I, rare. <laughs> yeah, it is rare. And it's like, oh, I I I, th- I mean, obviously, I wanted Bam Bam to win, mm. but I thought it was. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was a good finish. Do you know what I think the big difference was between who won this match? What the big difference was? The difference maker. Uh, the knee injury. Not the knee injury. It, the management. I think oh! Wyndham had a tactical uh, tactician Edge. outside. Uh, and Bigelow had a bit of a clown, and I think on the count out, I think I think uh, JJ perhaps inaudibly would have said to win and get back in that ring. You think? But uh, Humperdink perhaps was Humperdink. just Humperdink. Humperdink. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Engelbert Humperdink. You think? Oliver do you Humperdink. Think, do you think? But I mean, I don't know. But Humperdink did have his manager's <laughs> license. He did have his manager's or license. Maybe he. he maybe he, I don't know. But um, he's, he's sailed through. again, you know, going back to the the idea of this, these time limits, though, um, both commentators talk about the limit, and I like this throughout the night. They talk about taking each other to the limit, and uh, to the limit. Jim Ross says after the match that uh, Wyndham he he really took uh, Bam Bam Bigelow to the limit. Bob Cooler corrects, oh, or, or, or he interjects says, and says, "Well, uh, I'd say the Bam Bam Bigelow took uh, Barry Wyndham to the limit." Quite the opposite. <laughs> quite, the, quite the opposite. <laughs> but they took each other to the limit, which I think is what they both actually mean. Yeah. But um, really close encounter, but Wyndham keeps the title. And speaking of taking it to the limit, we then go backstage to Magnum um, TA with yeah. Rick Steiner. He's got his interview hat on. Um, and he's interviewing Rick. And this is <laughs> this is where we meet this sort of stuttering Rick Steiner. Um First of all, there's some mic problems. <laughs> yeah, there are some mic problems. My favourite part of this interview was uh, when Matt, if you could be Magnum for me, I'll try and be Rick. Uh, are we going towards the end? Bit? <laughs> the end bit, okay, yeah. we're there. We're there. Yeah. So, uh, well, let me just let me. I'm in my hometown. <laughs> let me just get it. Uh, so, Rick, uh, you're the you're the world television heavyweight champion, and uh, I can tell you that you're going to have a lot of wrestlers in the uh, in the near future challenging you for this belt. Uh, when? Uh, well, in the near future, there's going to be a. Who? Uh, well, there's many, many wrestlers. Uh, really? Be... I'll beat them. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Rick Steiner. And uh, Rick gonna... Steiner, you know, gave this sort of stuttering. Um, he kind of looks a bit like. He's acting really well, I think, actually, in some ways, because he's acting like he doesn't quite know what to say, like someone who perhaps of that um, intelligence level might struggle to, keep, to articulate themselves. But uh, it also comes across a bit awkward, doesn't it? Because 
We've seen him wrestle a quite astute match. <laughs> an uh, intelligent, an intelligent match. match. He's, a te- he's a strategic technician in the ring. And then we see him kind of be this simple doe-faced figure. I think it could have been... I can see what they're doing. It, they could have hit a nice medium here where he just wasn't a great talker. Yeah. A manager maybe could have helped. But... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. His brother, maybe. I did. <laughs> you go, I think you got a thirty-three three percent chance of getting Scott Steiner here. Where is Scott Steiner? I can't wait for the turn up. I don't know where he is. He's just a bit younger. He's in next year. He's in next year. Because I think the Steiners are a tag team next oh year. Oh my god! I can't wait. It's not the Freakzilla that you that you want. Oh, but well, I bet you his physique is impressive. Oh, no doubt, <laughs> no, no doubt, doubt. no doubt. No doubt. Um, but yeah, so uh, an interesting interview. But they're basically celebrating the fact he's won, he's won that uh, title. Um, and you know, Rick Steiner, I think it was a, a great moment. So I'm glad they re- recapped his sort of his thoughts on winning. But it takes us to the next match, and the I would say the almost semi main event. Semi. Semi. <laughs> <laughs> to semi-finals. Um, and it's for the... It's for the World Tag Team Championship. Scheduled for one fall. We have a 30-minute time limit. Uh, to my left corner. Um, the Champions of Challenges. The Challengers. We have Dusty Rhodes. From Austin, Texas. <laughs> and his partner from Venice Beach, California. The man. This, what do they call him? This is Sting. Man called Sting. Man called Sting. Um, and, oh my God, the, the star power in this match is massive. Yeah, and Sting and Dusty Rhodes come out um, to kind of generic rock music, mm-hmm. electric, electric 80s rock music. Um, they both come out in a gorgeous blue and white yeah, motif. ensemble. Yeah, Sting is in like a, well, he's in blue and white, all baby blue and white, um, like baby blue scorpion, white pants, white, yeah, white um, blue boots. Um, and then Dusty is in he comes out in a blue and white top reminiscent of an Argentina t-shirt correct for the football team yeah um, but he's still wearing his traditional black trunks and then he has um, r- one red knee pad one black knee pad that's kind he, of his thing isn't it yeah and then he has one elbow pad super taped up super taped up um, and they take on the champions who are the road warriors who come out in all black Black armor with the spikes, yep. chains, and then just black tights. And they're, they're accompanied by their manager, Precious Paul Ellering, who's dressed in kind of some desert kind of camo, slight camo gear. Yeah, like the Khaki. like a like a what do we say, like a colonel? Yeah, like a colonel, like a, a, a drill ta- sergeant. A drill sergeant. Um, and they are clearly the heels in this scenario, um, which is a bit of a change that we've seen them before. And there's, I don't think I've ever seen them as heels. There's a there's a thing. A slight issue them being heels in some ways is that they do get cheered regardless sometimes because they are so impressive. Their gimmick is impressive visual. Their gimmick is so cool. For that, if, if anyone anyway, said that, that they thing. win, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're pulling them up. Uh, but they have they have a great look and a great sort of. They are such a unique tag team for their time. I, I think so vivid, and I think the. I reckon they came out to some kind of Metallica. Oh, definitely, yeah. Some sort of Harley Davidson rock music. Yeah. 
So we get into it. Um, first of all, uh, Sting and Dusty clean house. Clean the Road house. Warriors try and get a sneaky advantage mm. at the beginning, and Sting and Dusty get the better of them. Uh, Road Warriors end about the ring. The bell hasn't rung yet. And the commentators knew. The commentators say how Sting and Dusty must have preempted that attack, which I liked. You know, he's saying that they're, they're, they're smart faces. They're not just have a go heroes. They thought about this. 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 Yeah, and they were ready. They were. They were ready. Um, but Sting has incredible boundless energy. His energy is, is kind of at this stage of the night. It takes you back. He's like, "Whoa, this guy can go. This guy can go." Only three years in the business at this point, oh, and he can go. He's big, but he's slim. Mm. Like he's lean. He's big. He's muscular. He's agile. He looks like a million bucks. Yeah, and he's got the face paint. He's got the bleach blonde hair. He's over. He's he is so. I mean, him and Dusty. I mean, mm. two of the most over guys there are. Dusty does a little strut before one of his elbows to the head, and it is one of the most over things in the night. Just yeah. strutting, just yeah. strutting is is before yeah. the elbow is so over. Um, and I think the fans, you know, it just shows you how. I know there's, a, there's an interview there's an, there's an interview with, there's a theme of yeah, Star podcast yeah me griping at modern day fans uh, who I have got issue with but also I remember Vince had that that interview where he said uh, we're no longer in the era of good guys and bad guys and he said about how the fans don't want that anymore and I, I dispute it. And I think that it's, a, it's great to have some grey areas and characters who are a bit more complex than just good or bad. Is it? <laughs> yeah. But I think it's great to see two good guys fight two really bad guys. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I want to see. I want It's an age-old conflict that I want to see. You think about all the best matches, all your favourite matches. Mm. I would wager that, you know, three of the top ten. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no! I would wager that all the ninety. I, mean, I should think. Of them, of, I think the first time I saw kind of face versus face match, Warrior Hogan. Warrior, well, actually, I think I saw Warrior Macho first. Okay, and even though Macho is the heel in that match, even though it's got he a adopted face, the heel. Yeah, but in the match, he kind of becomes sort of face, gets some face status because it's such an epic match. Um, and I remember thinking there, okay, uh, I, I, I quite like that, but I think it's overdone to death, and I've got no interest in watching a grey guy against a grey guy. Yeah, me neither. And all all of my favourite matches off the top of my head, they're all the ones that not only was the... And sometimes not even the in-ring stuff was the greatest you've ever seen. Yeah. But I, I think I go to Bret Austin, mm. where obviously it was they heel face and the classic. Yeah. I mean, that could be the... Probably yeah. is the greatest match of all time. I think of uh, the Canadian Stampede, mm. when it was the Hart oh, Foundation yeah. versus Austin, the Road Warriors, yeah. Gold Dust, Ken Shamrock, yeah. and... Armour Johnson. Was it Austin? No, Gold, Gold Dust. Dust. Road Warriors and Ken Shamrock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the crowd was so hating yeah. the heel team with Austin and so loving the Heart Foundation. It's just fire. Like, yeah. all the, look at Hogan Rock, mm. WrestleMania 18. It wasn't the, the, the best, it wasn't a clinic. No. It doesn't need to be. But the fans, they, oh. although in that instance, the face got booed and the. And the heel got cheered. Yeah, but they reacted to it and they... Yeah, they did. They played... Go the the Rock started playing the heel because the crowd was so... Yeah. Anyway, but we're, we're going you on get, the tangent. A bit of a tangent, but it just, it just is great to see a match like this where the fans are so into it uh, and not just sort of sitting on their hands, you know. I like Kevin Owens' um, athleticism, but I've got issue with him. What is he? I should hate him. He's got the tools to be a great heel, but he's too interested in being a cool heel. 
and I think that's the biggest problem not the modern day product but anyway back to this match um, uh, there is some incredible fire on display Sting and Dusty bring the fire drop kicks uh, Sting a splash which he hits lots incredible. of elbows um, he goes to hit not a scorpion deathlock but it's called at the time the scorpion the scorpion um, and oh my god great fact that they throw out in this match Dusty, Dusty Rhodes had his first match in 1967 this is 21 years since his debut in this match and to think he went on and you know much longer as well uh, he's not, not that much longer he, not that much longer but he's not showing any signs of, sort of ring rust is, is he here no. um, this match comes to a as I watched this match I thought to myself the Road Warriors going to lose this um, because I thought they gave a lot actually I thought it was quite an even match and I think Road Warriors sometimes are guilty of having matches where um, they look super dominant uh, but the end of the match happened where Sting had done a flying uh, crossbody off the top onto Animal uh, Hawk had been thrown out of the ring by Dusty he covers him for the 1-2-3 but Paul Ellering basically climbs on the referee throws the referee out breaks up the pin and uh, it's a disqualification even though Sting and Dusty only win by disqualification and don't win the titles they get a massive ovation yeah the fans are happy they won yeah don't care it's in the record books it's in the record books they won Road Roar is lost yeah and it's funny because I think nowadays they telegraph it so much a smart audience would just be going bullshit bullshit or whatever because they're desperate to see a conclusive ending to every match. But here's a little message for every smart fan. This is this everyone cast yeah, into it's a into bashing of modern day fans. But which we technically are, are we not? We are, yeah. But we we're are not typical. We're not. We're not. We're, atyp- are we? we're atypical, I think. Because I think if you have conclusive finishes at every single match, you've got nowhere to go, and no one gets over. No one gets over. You got nowhere to go, and no one gets over. We're here. They can have a rematch in a, a couple months time, and they can have a conclusive finish then. And it's got the history of that other match behind it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Robin getting letting loose. Get with the times, goddammit. Um, well, that's what they say to us. That's what they would say. But I got. So we're going to talk about this at the end because this yeah. is going to be a quicker podcast <laughs> than usual. So yeah. we we come to our main event. It's the main event. With the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, not gonna do it until Buffett turns up. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, so the final match, the seventh match on the card. Yeah, only despite seven the fact matches. that this is a what two-hour, fifty minutes, fifty minutes. Yeah, pay-per-view, seven so, matches only. So we have coming out initially the challenger to some tasty clean eighties rock music. <laughs> Who have we got? We've got the total package. Lex Luger from Chicago, Illinois. Um, I wrote that his music was reminiscent of the Final Countdown meets Rocky Four training montage music. <laughs> not the first time those things have come up. No, they're not. Yeah. Um, he was really over. He was in red uh, trunks, red knee pads, white boots. He looked ripped. He weighed in, uh, I believe, at two hundred and sixty-two pounds, and. Bob Cordell highlighted mm. that he had him down as seven pounds heavier, but he actually, on the weigh-in on that day, had clearly shown that he's actually much leaner than his usual wrestling weight. Yeah, and he's and they talk about how he's dropped that weight to try and match the endurance of Ric Flair. Yeah. And uh, commentators today, listen up. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> they, they don't do this sort of commentary where Bob, Bob Cordell explains about the sort of preparation for the match and the thought that's gone into it. Lex has lost to Rick before in the past and now he's thinking of ways how can I improve myself for yeah, this match I've got the power I've got the strength mm. 
Now I need to match him on endurance. Just a bit more agility, a bit more endurance, yeah. So Riffler comes out um, to... Uh, to the 2001 theme. It's still uh, brilliant. Yeah, it is excellent and timeless. He's accompanied by James J. Dillon. And? Uh, a load of policemen. Yep. An armed sort of uh, escort. Armed escort. Um, he comes out in a green robe. Um, and there is a sort of stipulation to this match that we need to sort of bring up. So it's a 45-minute time limit. Ooh. An appropriate time limit, I feel, for a, a world's heavyweight championship match. Mm-hmm. Or the point of reference is that we are now seeing the big, oh, what a, what big a gold title. belt. Yeah, it's the real belt. It's the real belt. <laughs> <laughs> it's the real deal. Um, so the referee is Tommy Young. Forty-five minute time limit. Ric Flair is in green uh, trunks, green knee pads, and yellow boots with RF on the pants as usual. Yeah, uh, or on the trunks rather. And. Um, Oh, I also like that JJ was announced as the executive director. Oh, yeah, I love it. He's got, he's got a title, a role. Yeah. Um, so the story of this match, I think for a large part of the opening, was Rick trying to chop Luger yeah. to the ground and Luger's pectoral development <laughs> being just a little bit too much for the chops to be effective. Yeah, and Fledge couldn't break Luger down. But there's a nice little stipulation this match that plays into the story as well and that Flair can lose the title if he's disqualified. Um, and that involves, they, they specifically reference any interference from JJ and also anything else he might do to cheat, to win. So, And that's because of a previous match they had where Flair cheated and people are sick of him cheating. But what that does mean is that Flair has the the opportunity at times to really test the waters and on on um, thinking he's going to get DQ'd. So he, he has a kind of shoving match with the referee at one point, but it doesn't overstep the mark of him getting DQ'd. But it's close. <laughs> it's close. It's close. And the fans... And Tommy Young gives as good as he gets. Yeah, and the fans want it to get disqualified because it means Lex would win. Like, all they care about is Lex winning this title. Um, and even JJ th- thinks about, at one point, getting involved to stop a suplex, but then he no- thinks about that stipulation oh, and he pulls away. I love and it. It's great psychology, great storytelling in a match but this is a real epic encounter I'm really impressed with the two of them it, it goes it goes on and on both of them trading kind of dominance in the match but Lex really impressed I think with his kind of the military press slams uh, his kind of endurance to take yeah power slams big back body drops yeah and they, they weren't doing you know the moves they were doing were fundamental classic wrestling moves but mm. they just and again we're going to I'm bringing it back to what I highlighted earlier the sports element of endurance yeah and the progression it's a 45 minute time limit and again they announce when there's 5 minutes left 10 minutes when yeah. there's when there's 25 minutes gone mm. how long is left a it's a ticking time bomb b it feels like rounds in a sporting contest yeah. c you can see them getting more and more and more exhausted the sweat their hair is dripping mm. wet but they're soldiering on and it like you said it, it gets both guys over yeah. and I thought I'm going to assume it was Caudle but I can't mm. remember but we're going to go with it <laughs> but Caudle at one point after in this gladiator gladiatorial concert says well this is NWA wrestling and the NWA wrestling fans they love this physical combat yeah absolute little jibe I think there at the WWF fans maybe the like rock a, and the razzle dazzle rock and wrestling um, you know yeah, this is real physical combat and it is because they are I wrote down neither of them were gassed you know they use that term gas when someone yeah, is completely yeah. knackered they are exhausted they were but in stu- yeah Jen it was because they were trying to win <laughs> yeah trying to win um, really great spot where Lex applies a figure four leg lock 
Um, oh, and then, so but good. then outside the ring, when the ref is distracted, Ric Flair grabs a steel chair and he hammers Lex's knees, and the fans go crazy because Lex in that moment should have won, but the ref didn't see it. Um, and then Rick goes to town on Lex's leg, just um, stomps. And like they drop, they the even knee. beep out one of Lex's swear words because the pain of, of what's happening to his knee. And Rick puts on the figure four leg lock. And you think he's in he's in dire straits here. Um, but even uh, the fans are really into it. Luger manages to turn over uh, the figure four leg lock. And yeah, the commentators saying one of the most gutsy performances you've ever seen. They're really playing up the fact that. He is rising to, uh, you know, baseball, they got the sport, they have Mr. October. Well, here in wrestling, we got Mr. Starcade, Ric Flair. And Lex is getting to his level. This, this relatively yeah. new wrestler is matching Rick pound for pound, step by step, round for round, all the way. <laughs> and they're talking a lot about his conditioning, and we spoke about it, but Lex's physique yeah. in this match, as it always was is phenomenal oh my god yeah and even when there was that's great visuals where you know Rick has him in the figure four and and the crowd are chanting for Lex and Lex just like powers up yeah and he just kind of slaps his chest and he like (laughs) he like tenses his muscles and he's like you know come on and Ric Flair's scared and it's just a real story of conditioning and and this young committed guy mm. who's put in the work in the weight room mm. as they refer to a lot and you know it's all about going the distance it makes me think of the uh, that Rocky um, you know the sort of montage they have the 12 rounds it feels like that kind of yeah, yeah. vibe isn't it well uh, as you know uh, I can't remember who it was but well, I'm going to go you can't measure someone's heart in the weight room <laughs> Um, but after a kind of uh, epic encounter we kind of come to the finish and yeah, so Flair's just hammering on the knees yeah um, but Lex manages it's a war of attrition it's a war of attrition and Lex manages to get back into the fight and he, he calls for the torture rack people are going crazy he gets Rick up in a torture rack you're thinking yes this is the moment he's going to win but guess what gives way his knee buckles and Rick falls on top of him he gets the cover not only does he get the cover but Rick puts his feet on the ropes where the ref can't see he gets the dirty pin and he wins one, two, three. and that is excellent storytelling because the, all that work on the leg came back to, had a payoff when his leg buckled on the torture rack and it cost him the match um, and Rick wins and although he Lex appeals to the ref like come on he had his feet on the ropes um, he didn't see it so he can't overturn it he can't give what he's seen he can't give what he's seen and Rick is the winner and I thought great match because Rick proves himself as a champion Lex proves himself as an uh, as a unbelievable contender I totally agree with everything yeah. you just said mm-hmm. um, uh, it was and you know what I, it's it's a simple match mm. in many ways, and yep. that's not that, and that's as a credit mm. to the two wrestlers in this thing. These guys just went all the way. I was with the match all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time, the fact that it went on for what must have been 30, 40 minutes, yeah, just totally just Epic. added to it. Yeah, it added to it, added more and more tension, more and more tension, more. And, and it's it, something about I, them trying the same moves again at some points. It's like, yeah, okay, of course you would try. If you tried it earlier, you would try it again. Yeah, and it's, and it's and it has more impact later on in the match. And sometimes it's messy. Mm. Sometimes it's not perfect. Yeah. Um. And they're just sometimes it just feels like they're both just clutching at straws to get mm. the advantage. And Lex is now a star in the making. Absolutely, I'm convinced that one day he's going to be a world champion. Correct. Yeah, but correct. I think he's correct. He's yeah. Um. And 
so we then go to um, a backstage interview with Magnum TA. Yeah. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to try and g- give a little sample of Rick. Oh, Rick, for you, you successfully defended your uh, title tonight. One bottle! <laughs> One bottle! Survival! <laughs> this is the greatest sport in the world! This is a mad sport! <laughs> Crockett! Ted Turner! I'm going to play it my way! <laughs> Flair's way, and you will never, Lex, you will never wrestle the world heavyweight champion again. <laughs> You're a history lover. You're a history. <laughs> Woo! Flag cuts incredible promo. Um, to get this, you gotta beat this. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people say. It's not the right way, but it's Flair's way. We get the job done. Oh, what I loved about it was it brought together um, the fact he's won an incredible match, but also he referencing that kind of new era of NWA and that he sees himself as the linchpin going forward. He says, no matter what changes happen in this company, Ric Flair's here to stay. I'm the man. I'm Mr. Starcade. Uh, I think that really came across. And I like the way he cuts off Lex from another title shot. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, you've had your shot. You've had your shot. And no. He says something like, I don't care if it costs JJ money. Yeah, because we got lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. So good. And he talks about, he kind of intimidates Crockett and Turner. Yeah. And and because basically he's like, I'm the franchise. Yeah. Pretty much what he's saying. Yeah, he's saying that, yeah. He's saying, I'm, I'm almost, you can build a company on me. Yeah. Um, and we, then, we have a nice wrap up from Cordell and Jim Ross. Yeah. Um, and, he, you know, Cole does highlight correctly that, well, Lex has taken the champion to the limit both times. Yeah, and I love that. It's like, he's lost, but he hasn't really, he's not lost in the eyes of the fans. Do you know what else he said about Luger? What did he say? He's proved himself that he's more than a one-dimensional wrestler. Yeah, he's because he, he's criticised Luger, and he's criticised to this day as being perhaps more of a bodybuilder, power guy. Here he showed that he had a bit of a, a technical side to him, a bit of a strategic. He's mm. willing to go to distance and try all different things to win a match. I honestly, a lot of respect gained for Luger from watching this pay per view. And the wrap up is so boxing esque. Yeah. And and simple thing, you know, mentioning that he's dropped seven pounds, mm. all the conditioning stuff. It just humanizes Lex Luger and therefore makes it more legit. Yeah. And then we have another, I think, tasty wrap up from our man Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Um, who, you know, based on the early results, you know, we thought the champions were in trouble that time. Yeah. And it's like a story of the night. There's been a story over the pay per view that at the beginning we thought, oh, every time it's going to change hands. It didn't turn out that way, but it was unpredictable. We had no yeah. idea. It could have. Yeah. A great moment as well. They kind of ask each other about the future of NWA, about where's the NWA <laughs> going to go, which obviously we're interested in for the future Starcades. Bob Corder replies, somehow he's first he's on the audio for the whole stadium. Don't know how that happened, but he's on the audio, mic'd <laughs> up properly again, and he says, oh, I think that the NWA will go to the heights that are undreamed of. And I feel most poetic I've ever heard Corder. <laughs> undreamed he's of. He's always poetic. Wait, the heights that are undreamed of. Oh, it's nearly well, I Shakespeare. Think, um, I mean, to be honest, like this, I think for me, you know, that 
it turns out that actually the next Starcade is the Starcade that everyone is going to be pointing to. Well, Sam Benjamin's been pointing it to since episode one. I have been, This is the one that I genuinely have been pointing to. <laughs> yeah. Starcade 89, Nine. Future Shock, who will be the wrestler of the 90s? Well, it's going to be one hell of a Starcade, no doubt about it. Um, but before we leave, we must do... Well, we've got loads to do. We've got, lo- we got loads. Uh, so, so much. Let's go to the WrestleStar Awards. Awards, awards. Is that a thing? <laughs> it's a thing. Um, so, what's our first award? Our first award is the newly named the Bull of the Woods. The Bull of the Woods. Um, who is your? And just to give you the preface, and also give Robin a bit more time here, mm. we've literally just watched the pay per view, so this we are both calling it on the fly. On the fly. On the fly. We're just gonna go in there. We're gonna be snug, but not too snug. <laughs> Um, just go on in here. My bullets, I've got my bullets. Have besides, you? Yeah. I haven't. What's it was yours? a close contender, right? Can I give second place? Is that allowed? You can give an honourable mention, honorable but not me- second place. Honourable mention uh, to um, both Wyndham. Uh, yeah, honourable mention to Wyndham uh, and also um, to uh, Star- Rick Steiner maybe but my bull of the woods without a shadow of a doubt because he's impressed me possibly in a way he's never impressed me in any oh. paper I've seen before it's Lex Luger he's my bull of the woods oh. and he's someone that the boys in the back probably wouldn't see as the bull of the woods but he's my bull of the woods he <laughs> <laughs> got personal here <laughs> um. Lex Express I don't know who's going to be my Bull of the Woods that time. So, um, who is your Bull of the Woods? My Bull of the Woods. Damn it, Robin. (laughs) Um, It's going to be between... For me, it's oh, it's Russian a three-way. Assassin one, it's Russian a, Assassin two. <laughs> I thought two was the best. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a three-horse race between Luger, Bigelow, mm-hmm. and Wyndham. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go. I'm going to go for Luger, Mister Main Event. Yeah, I, it, he prob- brought it. Probably the best Lex Luger performance I've seen. Yeah, and I was already when I was a kid. I, I told this story before my. Uh, uh, the my mum's mate used to babysit me her boyfriend used to love Lex <laughs> and one of my early memories was watching him as the Narcissus yeah I, I liked him as Narcissus um, I mean I didn't like him then he was, yeah, but then yeah, when he's... he turned and when he was tagging with Bulldog I loved yeah. him so I'm going to go with Luger he's you know 4% body fat total package um, so I think Luger yeah Luger's my bull of the woods excellent um, next match of the night okay so it's going to follow on very easily for me yeah, from bull of the woods yeah, yeah. I think Without a shadow of a doubt, no doubt about it. Um, it has no to be Lugo against Flair in the main event. It's a really epic title match. It's what you want from a main event. Flair, yet again, brings it. Lugo brings it. It didn't disappoint. Um, I guess, and it, I think the even the finish was so... It was so... It made sense. Even though I was disappointed for Lex, I thought maybe he'd do it. It made me want to see him do it another day. Uh, nothing but respect for the two of them. Easily, by far, my match of the Ooh. night. I'm going to go for the Russian Assassins versus... No, my match of the night. I'm going to go with Batman Bigelow versus Barry Windham. Yeah, fine match. I really liked that match. I thought it was... Giving the giving the best match night to a count-out finish. Okay. I've always liked count-out finish. <laughs> you don't make me rant about this as well. Um, uh, that's what we're going to talk about because we both went to Raw. And, I went to... We both went to Raw. Yes, we did. And I went to SmackDown as mm-hmm. well. Anyway. So, so Raw to SmackDown, guys. Yeah. Raw okay. to SmackDown. I had to change my t-shirt. Raw <laughs> t-shirt. Smackdown. Bama Bigelow, Barry Windham. Um, 
I am now a Barry Windham fan officially. Yeah. As if there was if there was any question marks, big fan. Bam Bam Bigelow's gone even higher in my estimation. Yeah. I've always liked the guy. Yeah. And I think just he, Bam Bam Bigelow revolutionised uh, the sport for, for people of that weight. Barry Windham, just a quintessential heel. Mm. Um, and it was a war of attrition, which right. seems to be the theme of, of the night. Um, and the count-out finish was uh, totally believable, frustrating, so I wanted more. Mm. Um, and yeah, just great. It just I was in it all the way. I mean, tonight actually had a really strong, but yet quite a small roster of guys. They had 22 athletes on the card, as um, I think Shivani pointed out. But they were of a, of a solid quality. I think that was clear from top to bottom that it was... In a, in, a, in a majority because uh, I think we're coming up to the worst match of the night yeah. uh, there was a, in the majority some really talented uh, guys and people who went on to do more as well worst um, match of the night worst match of the night without a shell of a doubt uh, has to be the Russian assassins against JYD and uh, Ivan Koloff it just it was it was a lot shorter they, they were slightly more limited in their size and uh, for me Russian assassins wanted to they just don't have enough about them as a, as a you'd, combo you'd think they'd be Two guys associated with the NWA that could have filled that spot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they could have been. I mean, I just uh, just find two heels. What about Bill Dundee? <laughs> yeah. I know you're a big fan. I know that was me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I love, well, where was Bill Dundee? I, I don't know. In Australia. What, what about the um, you know Michael P. S. Hayes or? There's loads of people missing this year, yeah. isn't there? I think because of this sort of these sales and WF expanding. Eddie Gilbert. Eddie Gilbert, not nowhere to be seen. But I think yeah, just that match. And Paul, they had a stipulation about Paul James retiring. It never, even though I thought JYD would, they would probably win it, they got cheated in a way that to me didn't make much sense because of the legal man thing. Uh, for that reason, definitely my worst match of the night. I agree. Okay. With pretty much everything. Yeah. But you know what? In terms of the previous Starcades. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. This is probably the most consistent. Mm. Less silliness, I think. Less silliness. And I think it's because they were trying to sell NWA as this. Like say real com- combative sport, and I think that that was absolutely what came across. Because it is um, a moment of the night. Uh, is this like in match or promo or what? It's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> whatever. Oh my god, I love it. Um, well, my moment of the night would be uh, without a shadow of a doubt um, would be the promo given by. Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Well, Rick was the best promo. Yeah, Rick so. was the best promo. I think Rick Flair's promo at the end was moment, and I, and I think because it was about the match and about um, the the changing of NWA and the uncertain future, and his he has just got such intensity on a promo. He's just gone 40 minutes in a match, an epic, epic match, and he can still smash out an unbelievable promo. So yeah, that's my moment of the night. Nothing but respect for the Nature Boy. Um, my moment of the night. Ooh, it's a toughie. When I mean, I like your moment. Um, Russian Assassin 1 tagged in Russian Assassin 2. No, when Russian Assassin 2 tagged in Russian Assassin 1. <laughs> no, when he put the foreign object into his mask <laughs> and head, got the headbutt. I think, um, I mean, honourable mention to <laughs> any time that Jim Cornette's racket smashed into someone's back. Mm-hmm. I just It's such a good instrument yeah. to use. Um, I am going to say... I'm actually going to say... My moment of the night was Rick Steiner winning. Okay, yeah. The moment the crowd popped. 
Yeah. And Rick won the the uh, the world's TV championship. And it was a kind of conclusive. He overcame the bad guys. He overcame the odds, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he was on his own out there, and he just won it. And the crowd lapped it up. Yeah, it was a great pop. They lapped it They're up. They're rare. Um, final thing. Wrestle star rating. Wrestle star rating. Uh, Robin. It's a tough one, this one, because I enjoyed the show. The matches are quite um, a long... There's only seven of them, but it's quite a long show. So there's quite a lot of time given to a lot of the matches. And, they, and I did love the time limit thing. Um, pretty solid show. No real absolute rubbish on there. I actually quite enjoy it when there's a few more promos and stuff in there, to be honest with you. I do like it, even though I know they're going for... Uh, you know the combatants they want to focus on the wrestling I actually quite like the little bits in between I think we'll see more of that as it moves on um, I think I'm going to give <laughs> I think I'm going to give it three three stars because while I think the main event really is my go away match I'd say to people stuck at 88 watch that main event I don't know how much of the rest I'd actually say you know really invest your time in what? yeah I mean it oh you what? yeah I know I think I I enjoyed it but yeah for me three stars I am going to break history oh my god (laughs) oh my god look at the triceps I think I'm going to give it I'm going to give it four stars four stars I've given every Starcade three stars so far (laughs) but I'm going to give this one four I think because I give it three as well you need to stand up for it more than me yeah I'll I'll stand uh, at the back yeah I think uh (laughs) You know, you. what is it Brad said? I scratch your back, you stab mine. <laughs> You're always pretty, pretty clear to me uh, that this is a four... St- no, it's clear to me that this is a... F- I'm going to give it four stars because I think, I think about the journey I've gone on. And I'm thinking about it now. I think I'm going to remember this more fondly as the days and weeks go on. Mm. And I think war of attrition... Is my is my and exhaustion as well that exhaustion, exhaustion time limits mm. uh, and you know maybe I am just one of those NWA wrestling fans that likes pure combative sport. sport. Um, There's a pay per view for you. Rick Steiner, Mike Rotunda, Bam Bam Bigelow, Barry Windham, Sting and Dusty versus the Road Warriors. And yeah, it's a pretty cool card, isn't it? And the the main event, I, I, the main event reason, and even when you think about the midnight versus midnight match as well. Oh yeah, it was the crowd were hot. I was into every match, apart from maybe the 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 assassins one. But you know, think about how many matches like that we've had in previous Starcades. Yeah. More than one. No, so, uh, Johnny Valent. Oh, what's his face? You know the, the boogie woogie man. Boogie woogie man. Thank God. Yeah. So I'm. I think. Um, I mean. I, <laughs> We'd be talking five stars in an alternate universe if Magnum TA was still fit to wrestle. I think I agree. We would have had something. And conspicuous by their absence, the Brainbusters. Yeah, they were. Arn Anderson and Tully. I think yeah, WWF are taking more of these guys, yeah. aren't they? But I think I think if if we had Tully and Arn and we had Magnum Steamboat. TA, no, I don't need Steamboat. Oh, I want Steamboat. No, I, I like Steamboat, but I don't need him. <laughs> Okay. Um, so that wraps it off any predictions for next year because I know this is the one that you've been pointing to for a long time um, this... but I don't know much about it all I know is and I'm really excited about this not just because it plays on my name but a round robin concept in wrestling unheard of in 2018 uh, but I would love to see that kind of format and I think for the next couple of years we're not going to have this traditional format the times they are a changing boy 
<laughs> well, as as I said in the first episode, uh, Starcade '89 is the event I've been premiere. I mean, it, 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 I'm not even joking. I, I genuinely have been pointing to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had it on VHS. I can't even remember. I think I bought it from a, a dingy video shop. I can't Ooh, remember. Mm, it's more dingy, dingy than that I can't remember but anyway um, and I paid a pretty penny for it as well uh, <laughs> Future Shock it's called 1989 Sting was on the cover and obviously as a kid it was like whoa mm. how many people in this round robin can you tell me that do you know All I can, I've still got an image of the entrance yeah quite an epic entrance compared to and the more familiar entrance way oh, that we associate with yeah. early 90s nice. WCW I'm excited it's definitely going to be a step into WCW and I remember as a kid it being quite um, it felt so different to WWF really even then yeah Um, I'm looking forward to it Um, you're looking forward to it I'm excited you're excited (laughs) we're we're both excited (laughs) and we're really just we can't wait to join you you. from the uh, Uh, I mean I don't know about you but you know it's going to be I mean we are the premier um, NWA WCW Starcade review based podcast yeah. uh, you know from London presented by someone from Cambridge and the Wirral mm. we're number one in that category number At least one the, well number one yeah <laughs> what is it the last I believe and thank you for listening because no seriously we had we had about um, 500,000 views on the last podcast oh my god yes, so many views so many views um, capacity crowd I like to call them the uh, star Wrestle Star Squadron I like to call them the squadron <laughs> I like to call them the Wrestle Starlets oh nice um, so let's just do a little bit of we'll do a little bonus oh, yeah. bonus 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 but we could also uh, yeah, well, yeah we'll do bonus we're on Smackdown is that what you're going to talk yeah, about yeah so we're on Smackdown yeah. so we went to both went to Raw it was in mm. May yep. May the 14th I believe yep. And so biggest takeaways I mean Elias yeah Elias was so over yeah so over and I enjoyed it so much and I think there were other people there Rollins was pretty over yeah uh, but but uh, the love for Elias was just incredible huge I don't think that transfers on TV necessarily no um, but he was so over and I just love his gimmick he's got a gimmick that I feel like, he doesn't feel scripted no I mean, he doesn't feel scripted it's like a real person yeah and also everyone Hated Roman Reigns. Yeah, excellent, good. I hate Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've got no time for it. I think he'd be much better off going I, away. Going from away him. for a bit, come back as a heel who hated everyone who booed him. That's I'd boom. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just an ongoing thing. Um, so I was not SmackDown. I'm really intrigued to know what you thought of SmackDown, um, SmackDown with the takeaway. I, I, by the way, Seth Rollins really impressed me. Mm. I, I thought he was great. Um, I would say like the role. combo of Ziggler. And McIntyre, actually, yeah. they're quite a strong combo. Like yeah. it, I think. I hope their their stable gets bigger. I love stables. I hope it gets bigger. They don't really do stables as much. It makes me either. sick. I love stables. <laughs> I like I like stables that just have unnecessary members. Like, yeah. Like like when, remember the original Nation of Domination? Yeah. We had about twelve people in so, the ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not Two rappers and all this. Anyway, uh, SmackDown was. Um, I mean, it, it was one of those moments where there's a few great moments. Daniel Bryan coming out and cutting mm-hmm. a promo and literally the British crowd just didn't let him speak. Really? Cause Inter- uh, yeah. And and it was funny because um, what's she called? Renee? Yeah. Renee was like ploughing on with the interview mm. and the whole and once the British fans realised that she wasn't listening to the f- yeah. acknowledging the, the reaction yeah. the fans' chants just got louder and more relentless until Daniel Bryan Bryan actually had, had to stop, to stop her yeah. to stop Renee. Yeah. And he actually was like, 
you listen to that <laughs> and it was a great moment it was just a really natural yeah. moment um, and, and then, Roman Reigns doesn't get those moments he does not um, I mean my, one of my highlights was seeing AJ Styles real deal um, but let, let me tell you this right and this is the other thing that's been on my mind um, so and this makes me want I don't know where we can do this on iTunes and SoundCloud but is there any way we can put um, a age rating on our podcast uh, like mature audiences only. Yeah, I think on iTunes definitely. Because I want to do that, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. Okay, go on, tell me. Because <laughs> you go to a wrestling event. There's people of all ages, and children of all ages. AJ versus Nakamura, mm-hmm. right? Nakamura is a dirty heel. He is. AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the world, and is a hero. Yeah. Therefore. I'm cheering AJ. Mm-hmm. Therefore, several kids next to me were cheering AJ. Good. One, someone else in earshot mm. was cheering for Nakamura. Yeah. Indie smart. And who was obviously around thirty. Mm. And loves the internet. And it was just like. And it, obviously, I'm not. You can't have you. What you, people pay their money, they can do what they want. Was he swearing? Not particularly, but it just got me thinking. And then I had a second incident on the tube on the way home, Mm -hmm. which really killed my soul. Wow. So I'm on the tube. Um, If you picture it, it's the the kind of seats that are against the back of the the, the sides of the carriage. So you're facing a line of people. I'm there. First of all, it was really funny because the guy sitting next to me (laughs) was obviously it was blatant who'd been to the wrestling Mm because people had T-shirts on. The guy next to me was in a Charlotte Flair t-shirt, oh, which I respected. Yeah. Sat down. He was just like there, arms folded. And I was like, so, uh, no Charlotte tonight, eh? Yeah. And then he went, I know. And he was like, really wanted her to be there as well. Oh. And then I was like, well, yeah, I assumed because of the shirt. Yeah. And then he was like, and then he forgot he was wearing the shirt. And he was like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's this Irish guy who's well sound. I got his Irish. And then he goes, <laughs> he was like, oh, I was really looking forward to seeing her. And I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. Yeah. And then. A bit stalkery. Well, yeah. no, 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 She's got no fans. I just think it's the action. It's the action that you're doing. Okay. Right. <laughs> and, then, um, and then opposite me was um, someone else and who'd been to the wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then this older woman, I'd guess 60s, mm-hmm. sat next to him. Mm. And she was like, she was really chatty, one of those English chatty women. She was yeah. like, so, have you been to the boxing? Oh. Or, or something to that effect, yeah, another yeah. sport. Yeah. And then he was like, oh no, actually uh, wrestling. Yeah. And then she went, mm. and I'll pause here. Oh my God. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a kid, probably about mm. eight or nine years old, yeah. three spaces to my left, mm. with a big gold belt, mm. and a Seth Rollins t-shirt, yeah. with his mum. Mm-hmm. And she goes, mm. oh, is it the fake one then? Oh. And then the other guy sitting next to her who she's asked yeah. kind of doesn't really know what to say and then feels really embarrassed yeah. to say, mm. I, and I, I was literally looking at him, mm. pointing yeah. subtly to the kid yeah. to try and be like, this is is a Christmas situation right now. Yeah. And then he kind of just gave up and went, well, I mean... Yeah. You know, and I, I'm actually annoyed because I should have just rudely 
butted in and said, it's all real. Yeah. And it got me thinking about the internet and just today's day and age, and it just got me really sad. Yeah. And it got me thinking, I don't want anyone under the age of 12 listening to our podcast. Oh, fair enough. Because... Yeah. It just and it got me think got me questioning this podcast as well <laughs> because we're we're talking about this and in an ideal world I'd want to talk about this kayfabe yeah I, yeah only storyline basis yeah I know what you mean and, yeah. and I'm just sad I definitely when I got into it as a kid hundred percent I got into it for those reasons as in the storyline reasons I, I didn't get into it for the ins and outs of behind what was going on. Yeah, and it um, feels like that's what even like like the newspapers don't report the match results; they report mm, the booking. Yeah, and it's like, oh, kids read that stuff. Yeah. Kids see that stuff. <laughs> so it just it just got me really. It was a really sad ending. Make kids cry, bro. Making, uh, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I just think uh, yeah, it's it is a shame. And, and here's the paradox. I know we're rambling on now, mm. but out we. Technically, could be regarded as smart fans. Yes, and yet, I, everything smart fans are, I I don't like. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't reconcile that because I just want to. I just want to watch. I mean, are we in the minority? I just want to watch. I just want to watch heroes and. Vi- I just want to watch. I just want to cheer <laughs> heroes beat villains. Yeah. I know what you mean. I, I and where is it going to go? I, do you know Maybe what, I've listened, been listening to so much Jim Cornette. Do you know what I would have said to the woman on train if I'd been there? I would have what? said. Um, uh, I would have said something like, "Again, the kid been around." Okay, maybe I'd change what I'd say. But what I'd want to say to her if I was one on one with her, I'd say like, um, "You know um, that uh, Game of Thrones? Do you like Game of Thrones?" Oh, I know what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say, but the fact that all fictions, yeah, fake. but there's a difference because. I would argue the twelve-year-old me mm. still knows that Die Hard is a film. Yeah. Whereas the twelve-year-old me thinks it's a sport. Still thinks that the British Bulldog mm. has just fair and square beat Bret Hart. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. So there slight, is a difference because when, when you rent a film, when mm. when you went to the video shop and yeah. get a DVD you when knew. you were a kid, you knew it was a movie. Mm. But when I bought WWF Royal Rumble 1996... Yeah, you thought it was a sporting... Do you know I thought mm. it was just who's going to win? Mm. And I think... Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. And yeah. watch... And I blame you, Robin, because <laughs> this podcast has made made me more and more aware of this, watching the modern-day stuff. Yeah. And that's why, like, Tommaso Champer in NXT is the most watchable guy for me Refreshing, at the moment. yeah. I think, I do think it's a real shame every time WWE references some kind of push booking, uh, it takes away from it. Because actually the best wrestling stuff we've seen uh, when it's just about a story about two guys wanting to beat each other and win and it being a sporting competition. I think they really, they, they've missed a trick in treating it as sport. And also... But the thing that I can I get where they're coming from because they'd be like, well, look at what happened to the company that treated it more legit. Yeah, it went out of business. Yeah, and but here's another thing as well with the internet and Facebook. People tag me and stuff because they know I'm a wrestling fan. Yeah, and they tag me in like this. I got tagged in this like I don't know who it was because I don't watch. I don't yeah. subscribe to like New Japan or whatever. Yeah. but it was some New Japan or All Japan wrestling match. Mm. And this guy does, does a flip off the top. Mm. The other guy catches him in a Hurricane Runner scenario. Mm. Mm. And then the other guy does like a double hu- Hurricane Runner flip. <laughs> and, yeah. and like people are surprised when I don't go, oh my God. Yeah. And I'm like, it is great athleticism. Yeah. 
but it looks fake. Yeah. And it it's, doesn't look... That's not going to help you win a match. It looks like they're helping each other, doesn't it? And yeah. I think what we've seen on this Starcade is... You don't go... Help, they don't look like they're helping each other. It can be messy. Yeah. It can be messy. There was bits where... In the early matches where... During, during the end, towards the end of it, people would, especially in the tag matches, I noticed people would get whipped into the ropes and they'd fall and land on the second rope. Mm. And then the, and then the opponent would react to it, stomp their knee, carry on. Yeah. And it's something about stumbling and not looking so clean, is it? It's, it's okay to look messy. But you know, you raised some regular issues. I think it's definitely protecting it for the, for for the, the kids. kids. It's but true. It's like Father Christmas. Yeah. And would, yeah, would a kid be. Hey Dad, we're gonna watch, um, you know, Summer Sam series. You just, it just got me realizing, like, I don't remember. I remember maybe I don't know when I was really young and I went to One Night Only '97. Mm. We it always goes back to that. Um, I, I definitely don't remember hearing any adult mention anything that would break. Yeah, true. Yeah. Whether it's just because I was unaware mm. and I wasn't smart enough. Yeah. But then now. It'd be impossible. Yeah. If I was a dad and I had a seven-year-old kid, I'd be reluctant to take them to it. Yeah. Because they just hear smart fans going, oh, did you see the booking on that? Or, yeah. Or, oh, I really hope that, you know, the he- it's clever booking for the heel. Did or- they, uh, yeah, so it's so weird, doesn't it? You think, I think all the chance, even you could argue Roman Reigns getting booed is a product of uh, us. It's hyper-awareness. Uh, fans being hyper-aware of the whole process of what's going on. And actually, if you're a kid, what if you just really like Roman Reigns? He's like the yeah. He's like the hero. Hulk Hogan. He's Hulk. He's the Monday Hulk maybe, Hogan. Maybe we should. And you're there, and every all these grown men are booing him, and you're like, why are they booing the hero? And yeah, and yeah. yeah, do, yeah. Do you remember in on Raw there was this kid on our row mm. that I was fully expecting to be shocked about Roman Reigns when everyone booed him. Yeah, and he was he was like Roman sucks. Yeah, but I think that's the internet as well, isn't it? Internet kind of. Promotes, so um, should we start cheering Roman Reigns? No, uh, no, but maybe when I'm, maybe if I'm there live, I won't boo. That's loud. That's loud. So let's bring it back to Starcade '88. It's, yep. It was a war of attrition. It was. It was a legit athletic, was, combative sport. I mean, it occasion. is. I mean, I'm just going to echo the words of Ric Flair. This is the greatest sport in the world. It's a man's sport. When he said it was a man's sport, I found that an interesting moment because obviously Charlotte, like you're saying, yeah, Charlotte yeah. Flair is sort of the leader, I would say, of the of the women's division now. Yeah, and I'd I, I think she and he now would take umbrage with his own comment about it's right. a man's sport. I didn't even think sport. about that element. Yeah, but what I, I took it as this is a real, real this sport. Is, this is for this is real men. Yeah, yeah. This isn't for like um, wimps. Mm. It's a this isn't for your WWE fan. That's what he's also saying. Well, that's what he's also saying, yeah. But yeah, I just think now, I think with Charlotte being so big and obviously the new uh, women-only pay-per-view, they would definitely... I think he maybe would slightly change his wording. He definitely would yeah. in 2018. And by the way, I think Charlotte Flair is brilliant. Yeah. And I think we spoke about it at the WrestleMania, one mm. of my favourite... If I was going to give moment of the, of the night, yeah. WrestleMania, it was Charlotte's entrance. Oh, great entrance. Because it just had that NWA vibe. Yeah. The music obviously helped, but she just had that presence and it was like, we got a legit champion. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna see a sporting contest right now. No, she's uh, definitely up there and I think uh, it's just funny to see that comment now in a different, it's a different world, isn't it? How many women are on this pay-per-view? There were none, right? No, not a single one. Not, not a single one. Not... What about the hot girl in the front row? Robin, <laughs> you forgot about her. But there was no commentators, no 
valets even, right, this year? No. Well, none. No uh, Missy... All-male pay-per-view. What about that? Maybe yeah. they're going to do that in November. Maybe. Um, Maybe. So I don't know what's left. Um, are we even going to do another episode? Of course we're going to do another episode. episode. Yeah, of course we're going to get Starcade. It and that. We will get to the end of these Starcades. Oh my God, if I hook up by crook, we'll get, yeah. we'll get through And we do apologise for the ridiculous gap between <laughs> yeah. all these episodes. But I, I like to think you're the kind of guy that's listened to... You've discovered this one, you go back and listen to them all. Or you are... Who knows what year this is you're listening to this? Podcasts is an endless for, uh, platform. Yeah. So and do, anyway, do uh, so follow us at WrestleStarPod. Find us on Facebook. Um, we're not on Instagram because well, yeah, that's just too much. Podcast. We'll do all the podcasts. Yeah. We're on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com/slash WrestleStarPodcast. Search for us on iTunes. Give us a subscribe. Give us a five star rating. And watch some good old NWA WCW. Yeah, go back and watch. Even if that's the, if we just reach, if every person who listens to our podcast yeah. goes back and watches it, yeah, be great. Maybe we can change the modern product. Oh, that's our mission. It's our mission. We've got a mission. We've been on a mission, baby. We're we It's the greatest one in the world. <laughs> I feel like I should say, piss off, <laughs> crack it, <laughs> turn it, my man. Yeah, um, but shout out to Ric Flair as well. Shout out to Ric Flair. We love you. And that concludes uh, this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, um, and come back for the next episode, the episode that we've all been pointing to. No question about it. No doubt about it. 